0: It's Monday, May the twenty-fourth, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Belarus arrests journalists and volcano erupts in Congo. First the world in brief. European leaders exploded with outrage at Belarus after it appeared to use a bomb scare and a fighter jet to force a commercial airliner to land in its territory. There, it arrested a Belarusian journalist, Roman Protasevich, the editor of Nexter, an internet channel. He had been passing through Belarusian airspace on a Ryanair flight en route to Lithuania from Greece. Mr Protasevich is a critic of Alexander Lukashenko, who has stood as the president of Belarus since 1994, stealing re-election last year and violently repressing protests. Poland's Prime Minister, Mateusz Morawiecki called it, quote, an unprecedented act of state terrorism. Residents of Goma in eastern Congo breathed a sigh of relief after lava flows from the eruption of Mount Nyiragongo stopped at the edge of the city. Still, officials said 15 people were killed and around 500 homes destroyed. Around 5,000 inhabitants had fled east across the border to Rwanda and 25,000 others sought higher ground to the west. Ireland's government said there is a quote, real risk that hackers will make good on their threat to release personal medical records. The government has refused to pay a demand for $20 million in Bitcoin after the country's health service suffered a ransomware attack last week. Colonial Pipeline, an American fuel distribution system that suffered a similar computer breach earlier this month, paid hackers $4.4 million so it could resume operations. A cable car crashed into a mountainside near Lake Maggiore in northern Italy, killing at least 14 people. The country's infrastructure minister, Enrico Giovanni, has opened an investigation into the cause of the disaster, which is thought to be the result of the cable snapping. The service had recently reopened after being closed, owing to COVID-19 restrictions. America's Department of Homeland Security announced it will grant temporary protected status of former provisional residency to tens of thousands of immigrants from Haiti without legal status. The Biden administration cited deteriorating conditions in the country for the decision. Haiti has recently suffered an increase in civil unrest, kidnappings and other criminal activity. Samoa's head of state suspended parliament and locked its doors as members met to install Firme Naomi Mata'afa as their country's first female prime minister. The incumbent of 22 years, Tuila Epa Salele Malaya Leonoy, is refusing to concede an election he lost narrowly in April. Last week the Supreme Court had seemed to clear the way for Miss Mata'afa, an Italian glam rock band, Maneskin, returned home to the adulation of fans and the congratulations of the government after it pipped rivals from France and Switzerland to win the 65th Eurovision Song Contest which was held in Rotterdam. One of the world's most watched events, with nearly 200 million viewers tuning in every year, the competition mixes kitsch with political collusion in equal measures. And fact of the day. In Britain, where queuing is a national pastime, a survey found the average person wastes 44 hours a year waiting. And now here's today's agenda. To jaw jaw. Anthony Blinken visits Israel. America's Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, will arrive tomorrow in Israel. His trip comes after 11 days of fighting between Israel and Hamas, the Palestinian Islamist group that runs Gaza. Mr. Blinken hopes to capitalise on the ceasefire that began on Friday. But can America push the peace process cart out of the rubble? The last direct Israel-Palestinian talks were back in 2014. Mr. Blinken will not be visiting Gaza this week. America regards Hamas as a terrorist organisation. He will be meeting instead the elderly and ineffectual Palestinian president and leader of Fatah, Mahmoud Abbas, who has no power over Hamas or Gaza. Mr. Blinken will also jaw-jaw with the Israeli Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, who has no interest in making progress towards a two-state solution. Quote, the only answer, in the view of President Joe Biden. A long-term ceasefire and perhaps some humanitarian aid for Gaza is the most that America's top diplomats can hope to achieve. Feeling the Heat Big Oil V Investors For many years, the bosses of Europe's oil and gas firms have been forced to appease the green lobby. In contrast, until very recently, America's supermajors were unrepentant climate change deniers. No more. Activist investors are taking America's energy giants to task over carbon emissions. At ExxonMobil's shareholder meeting on Wednesday, a coalition of investors will try to put four green-tinged directors on its board to promote a lower-carbon strategy of the sort espoused by European rivals. On the same day, Chevron, America's second biggest oil producer, will face proposals for stiffer climate targets at its annual meeting. The activists have enlisted powerful allies including CalPERS and CalSTRS, public sector pension funds worth $700 billion combined. But most asset managers have a fiduciary duty to optimize returns for their investors. Not all are convinced that green power projects will be money spinners in the short term. What is certain, This week's shareholder battles are not the last ones that American oil bosses will face. An antidote to populism? Ecuador's new president. Guillermo Lasso, the first right-of-center candidate to be elected to Ecuador's presidency in a generation, takes office today in a country still suffering from the COVID-19 pandemic and a deep economic slump. After a narrow win in last month's election, Mr Lasso plans to accelerate the country's sluggish vaccination programme and inoculate 9 million of the country's 17.5 million people in just 100 days, which he hopes will revive the economy. Mr Lasso's other reforms may face stiffer opposition. He has few allies in positions of power. At home, his party holds only around a tenth of seats in Parliament. He has, at best, a tenuous working agreement with the centre-left parties that hold many of the rest. Abroad, politics is swinging leftwards in South America, with conservative incumbents put under pressure by populist backlashes. Mr Lasso has an opportunity to shine. But if he does not, Ecuador's neighbours provide warnings of what could happen next. Drone Wars Autonomous Weapons Today, military brass from around the world will meet, virtually, for the Future Artillery Conference, an annual event looking at how munitions systems are evolving. There is increasing interest in the use of artificial intelligence in offensive weapons. Last year, in its war with Armenia, Azerbaijan used Israeli-made loitering munitions, in effect, drones with inbuilt explosives, capable of choosing their own targets. Ziyan a Chinese company, boasts a gun-toting helicopter drone that, quote, Autonomously performs complex combat missions, including, quote, targeted precision strikes. The International Committee of the Red Cross warns that many of today's remote controlled weapons could be made autonomous with software upgrades. But problems abound. AI relies on clean, reliable data, something not always available in the fog of war. Earlier this month, the ICRC recommended that, quote, unpredictable autonomous weapons and those that target humans be prohibited. But America may resist that. Its National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence claims a ban would not work anyway, as China and Russia would probably cheat. The publisher who goes where no others go Skyhorse Philip Roth was one of this year's most anticipated literary biographies. But then its author, Blake Bailey, was accused of sexual assault. He denies the allegations. His publisher, W.W. Norton & Company, suspended publicity for the book and stopped distributing copies. But to Mr. Bailey's rescue came Skyhorse, a small publishing house which will take the book off Norton's hands. In recent years, Skyhorse has gained a reputation for taking on authors dropped by bigger publishers. Last year, it picked up Woody Allen's Apropos of Nothing after he was dropped by his publisher Hachette when an old allegation of sexual assault resurfaced, which Mr. Allen denies. Last year, Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's former lawyer, took his memoir to Skyhorse after he struggled to find a publisher. The book became a bestseller. Having gained such a menagerie of headline-making books, no wonder Skyhorse now sells itself to potential authors as, quote, one of the fastest-growing independent publishers in the United States. Finally, here's the quote of the day from William Hewell, who was born on this day in 1794. Every failure is a step to success. That's it from The Economist morning briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast.